Hello, Curious K Podcast listeners. It's your favorite host, Colapo. And I'm happy to be back with another amazing episode, you know, to ignite your curiosity. Uh, as you know, on Curious K Podcast, we always stay curious. And today, we are having a great conversation with Gerard Black, an entrepreneur and ecosystem builder extraordinaire. <laughs> so, Gerard Black has many hats he's wearing. He's the head of go to market at Hancock. Uh, that is a fintech startup that recently closed the seed round of 2.4 million US dollars and the community manager at Black Ops. And he has in hand another interesting thing uh, which we'll definitely get into in the course of uh, this episode. And on today's podcast we'll be exploring Gerard's journey as an entrepreneur. Uh, Gerard has built a couple of startups and exited some and we'll explore his role at Anchor uh, and Black Ops and talk about other interesting things. So without further ado, uh, let's welcome Gerard Black to the Curious K podcast. Welcome Hi, Gerard Black. Thank you for joining us uh, to the Curious K podcast. It's an honor to have you on the show. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah. And how are you doing today? Yeah, I'm well. I'm well. I'm, I'm curious. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. All right. So, so let's just let's just get into your so fast. So can I just share with us? I mean, your entrepreneurial journey and maybe some of the key milestones along the way. Okay. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. So I think my entrepreneurial journey started um, when I was in the university, um, 2012. Um, I was supposed to be on internship, you know, the compulsory internship you do while in school. Because I, yeah, yeah, I studied um, computer engineering, right? So I, I was supposed to be on internship at the time, uh, but for some reason, I decided to, you know, venture into entrepreneurship and start my own thing, right? Because I, I've always been fasc- fascinated by the idea of, you know, solving a problem, building a product. You know, just doing something and seeing people's problem being solved and making money for it, right? Offering value and earning something while at it, right? So I, I started my first company called WeFix um, 2012. So you were still in school then? Yes, I was in school. I was on internship. Okay. Yeah, so okay. I had like six months to myself, you know, and I decided to, you know, do something and just experiment and see how it goes. Right. So I, I started WeFix. And um, WeFix was a facility management company at the time, um, because then my dad and you know a couple of people around me would always be looking for artisans. You know, like they want to fix things. They're looking for who can they call, and it was always an issue, right? So I, I saw the loophole, and I felt okay. You know what? I can actually help people solve this problem, right? So I can go out there and get these artisans and be the one person that they call when they need a carpenter, an electrician, a plumber, whoever it is they need, they just call one person and I can make it happen, right? So it wasn't tech, it was just, you know, a regular startup, you know, just running a company and trying to solve that problem, right? So yeah, it started off good. And um, we, at the time, we even started working for banks and hotels, bigger companies. Wow. We grew. That's cool. From just starting from school to actually actually running an actual business, right? And then fast forward to 
2015, I relocated to Lagos. Um, I had my, you know, the compulsory NYSE again. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I, <laughs> so I relocated to Lagos, right? And I was really excited, right? Um, I, I was looking out for opportunities to network and meet with people. Right. So I, I read, I signed up on a platform. I can't remember what it's called, but it's just like Eventbrite where, okay. it, yeah, it gives you suggestions, you know, it tells you about events. And I stumbled on one that was a tech event. You know, it looked interesting. And, you know, I said, oh, I, I need to attend this, right? That was 2015. So I went to the event and that was my first exposure to, you know, you can actually build a tech company, right? That was the the moment where I got that pivotal mind, mindset shift. And it hit me like, wow, I can actually build a company that leverages technology to solve problems and all of that, right? And then I had the pivot from WeFix and then I, I decided to move it to ifixng.com, right? ifixng. And yeah, so we pivoted from running a regular company to running an online platform um, where people could hire plumbers, electricians online, like Uber for artisans, that type of thing, right? And okay. yeah, so that went slightly well. Um, we got some family and friend round funding, you know, pre-seed investment, and we actually launched, right? But not before long. I think we ran it for about a year and a couple months. Uh, we realized that we're way ahead of our time, right? Because um, where we stay, Nigeria, people are not, even now, but way back then, people were not really fascinated by the idea of going to hire a plumber. Like, that's not the first thing you think about. When you want to hire an artisan, you won't think of, oh, what website can I go to? You call people you know, you call your family, you call your friends, because we are very culture-driven and there's a lot, right? So uh, adoption was slow. I realized that, oh, okay, this is not what, you know, we should be building at this time, right? And then we pivoted again to pack it, right? That was in 2018, pivoted to pack it. Now, Packet was, um, you know, we started off with setting up a car wash, um, partnering with the malls. And, you know, because of the problem we're trying to solve at that time, giving people professional vehicle care service that is affordable and, you know, in a very convenient way, right? So we partnered with the mall and then we set it up there. And not before long, in fact, adoption was instant, right? Because it's a no-brainer. People drive into the mall. And, you know, they see a spot where they could go, oh, pack it, look at their, their setup there, you drive in there, you go to your grocery shopping, you come back, you pick up your vehicle, and you move, right? So it, it was a no-brainer from day one. We already had paying customers, you know, from, day, cool. one, from day one, right? So, again, it made sense to, you know, leverage technology in expanding um, the scope and expanding our reach as well, right? So we... We decided to build a platform. We, we built a platform for both managing our in-house inventory, signing up customers, managing customer database, you know, and then we now extended it to an external platform where people can even um, see the nearest location to them because we expanded really fast um, because of 
which in a way was good and bad, right? And if we have time, maybe I'll touch on that. But we expanded really fast. Like in the first one year, we already had three locations, right? So we had to look for a way. So this was all in Lagos, all the locations was in Lagos. Lagos. Yes, okay. in the first one year, in the first one year, it was in Lagos, right? So we had to think of a way to quickly leverage technology, you know, to make it seamless for customers to pay, driving, you know, look for the nearest location to them, make payment, drive in, get their wash, and then move without a lot of human interaction at trying to make payments at the booths and all of that, right? So, and it, it, the adoption was great. It went well. We got some investment for that as well. And not before long, um, fast forward three years later in 2021, uh, we got approached by the Cast 45 team that eventually set up Fixie 45. You know, Cast 45 was focused on, it was an auto tech platform that focused on buying and selling, right? But then yeah. they launched, they launched um, vehicle care, vehicle, vehicle after sales service, which included like repairs, you know, they wanted to make it a wholesome 360 service. Okay. Right? So yeah, so we, we got acquired by them. Um, wow, and that's cool. Prior to that, we already had a relationship, right? They were our customers because when they buy these vehicles from people that want to sell their vehicles, they bring it to one of our locations, we touch it off, we make it look clean, and then they take it to one of their showrooms, you know, to sell it and all, right? So we already had that relationship ongoing. And then at the time when they now decided to launch Fixie 45, it was a no-brainer. Right. And, you know, we got acquired and we also joined their team in building Fix for Spy. Right. So, yeah, this is my story summarized. <laughs> I don't want to that, take too much of your time. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's, that, that's cool. Yeah. I think that's a really beautiful story. So, in terms of the acquisition, can you share numbers? Is it like millions of dollars? So, you know, we know <laughs> no. what is happening in terms of acquisition, right? <laughs> yeah, I will share that with ski. <laughs> <laughs> all right all right that, that, that's a really beautiful story right you know now you're with anchor right so i i want to understand i mean your transition from being a founder right you're working with anchor now as a as a head of uh the go-to market you know at anchor so you've been building i mean based on what you shared you've built like two startups now now you you're moving to go work with a fintech company uh i'll what was that transition like because looking at your trajectory i mean someone would think okay you want to go start something else but at this point you're joining a, an existing startup so can you share with that what what informed you know that decision Okay, okay. Yeah, so at, at the point, you know, at which I eventually moved to Fixie 45, you know, I I was leading business development and sales. I was actually the vice president for business development at Fixie 45, right? And, you know, there was something that instantly hit me, which is the fact that a lot of founders need help in, you know, building their businesses right and that's even coming from the angle of who would i rather have would i rather have someone who has that entrepreneurial mindset and can take complete ownership of whatever role that has been assigned right so because i had that entrepreneurial mindset and you know judging from my past experience as an entrepreneur i noticed that whatever role i took on i just took complete ownership of it and you know I, I just ran with it without so much dependencies, right? So this was pretty much what also informed the decision to, you know, 
appoint me as um, head of go to market at Anchor, right? And while it was particularly interesting for me was, you know, I'm sure you've heard the saying a thousand times that every company is eventually going to become a fintech, right? And Anchor, you know, at the time and even till now was sitting at a very core position where they'll be facilitating a lot of those things happening, right? So it was exciting to see that, oh, wow, this is the company that will be making a lot of these things happen, empowering companies to launch financial products, embed financial products on their platform, right? So it, it was it was a no-brainer for me, right? So something I was really, really excited to see, right? And also judging from my experience as an entrepreneur, that was why the, the role head of go-to-market was given to me, right? Because um, I could approach things and see things from that point of view, which is actually what we needed at that time, right? So as opposed to, you know, someone who you have to tell what to do and say, okay, let's try this. You can, you can take on ownership and look at things strategically without so much dependencies and, and all of that, right? So this is pretty much how... I transitioned from, you know, fixing for five and then moving to, to anchor. All right. Interesting. Because I think, you know, you know, I work with founders, right. And I, I, I work with some founders that they, they, their startup, the startup they are building out, it was like maybe the second startup or the first startup fresh out of the university. All right. They don't really have experience working with yeah. corporate. All right. And for them, they'd be like, no, I don't want to work for anybody. I'll be an <laughs> entrepreneur. I will always be an entrepreneur. Yeah. Which is a very interesting mindset. But but there, there is also a story like that I like to share. You know, I have a boss uh, of, of blessed memory. His name is Innocent Chukuma. And he has a very beautiful story. It, it, it started like a foundation. It's called Clean Foundation, Center for Law Enforcement and Education in Nigeria, one of the biggest NGOs, right, in Nigeria. Okay. I started that in like 1998, I think, or 97, and it ran it for 15 years, right? And after 15 years, it left, you know, to lead Ford Foundation as a West African director, right? Oh, wow. You know, and I remember, I mean, having one-on-one -on -one conversation with teams or during meetings, and and it's just, I think it's about humility, right, of being a founder and understanding you have to learn or where exactly do you want to drive impact? Because imagine you running like one of the biggest foundations in, in Nigeria. I mean, they have like grants pipelines of millions of dollars. You're good, right? I mean, like, I'm not interested in why, why do I want to go and work for Ford Foundation? I mean, so I would rather build, you know, <laughs> something like that, mm -hmm. you know? But I think my conversation with him, I, I learned about like the humility, that founders can have, you know, you know, your impact doesn't necessarily have to be about this is what I have to build. I have to be the one always driving the sheep. Absolutely. You know, it's it's all about me. And I and I kind of just I, I kind of connected that to your story as well. You know, in terms of like the opportunity you see in, in the fintech space, you know, and how you wanted to just be a part of that and not necessarily you, you know. Be, being the founder right but 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 you believe in that vision and you and you and you're happy to you know to to be part of the team so so thank you uh gerald for you know for sharing that story you know thank you yeah so so let's move into your you know your role so can you tell us about your role you mentioned you are the head of go to market 
at Anchor. So what, what are the responsibilities there? And maybe you can give us a background into what Anchor is doing as well. Okay, okay. So I think I'll start with the background. Um, so Anchor is a banking as a service provider, right? And what that typically means is we empower brands with all the tools and resource that they need. We empower companies with all the tools and resource that they need to build and launch financial products, right? So whether it be APIs, SDKs, whatever it is that they need, right, to embed on their already existing platform, right? Because they've been able to identify a need, right, to either prefer a financial solution or launch, you know, a full-fledged um, banking product, Whatever it is that they are looking at achieving, we are the go-to to empower that, right? So we we offer APIs for issuing accounts, APIs for carrying out money movement transfers, APIs for issuing credits, you know. So we have all these APIs, right? And basically, companies come to us, they consume our APIs, and you know they are able to launch in just a couple of days, right? So that's pretty much what we do at Anchor. Now, speaking about my day-to-day -day at Anchor as head of go-to-market, it's funny, right? Because a lot of times people, when I tell people I head go-to-market, you know, they usually ask, oh, they've not heard that before. What is it, right? But go-to-market is simply, in a nutshell, right? Figure out how we're going to take this thing to market, as the name implies, right? So whether it be from a strategic point of view in terms of how you want to approach market penetration from sales acquisition point of view, how are you able to prospect? Who are the people we should be targeting? You know, who is our ideal customer profile? How do we, what do we sell to them? What is the unique value proposition? All of these things, right, actually sits on the table of um, someone that leads go to market. There's also a little bit of marketing and operations right because you also have to be able to constantly communicate and convey the message of what you're trying to solve right and also be responsible for the entire sales cycle end to end right until the customer starts transacting and even hand holding them when transacting to be sure they are enjoying the relationship right so most times you see that companies that are just starting off but as the company now begins to you know as company becomes bigger and you know things start getting serious a lot more serious the role now breaks down into multiple smaller roles like you, know, you have someone now heading sales you have someone heading um, um um operations you have someone heading all of these things right so that's pretty much what um head of go to market actually implies and this is what i do at anchor today all right yeah so so let's move into like uh, uh the the fintech you know industry right so based on your work at anchor how, how do you see you know like the industry evolving you know i mean anchor is definitely trying to solve a problem like you mentioned all businesses will eventually be a Absolutely. fintech business Absolutely. you know you guys are already building that apis you know so what are what, what are the opportunities right now in terms of maybe like the adoption the growth and the challenges you know that you still anticipate in that space you know in in the near future okay I'm, i must tell you right as someone who came from a non-fintech background coming to fintech it's been really exciting right because what i've seen happening in the last couple of months that i've been with anchor almost a year now is 
everybody now eventually identifies an opportunity to expand their offerings and even see it as a way of also expanding their revenue streams, right? I mean, this is away from the core, um, from the core focus, which is actually solving a problem. But we've also seen and identified that, oh, there are other ways that we can actually be generating revenue, right? And now you see someone who has a platform and it's, a, it's quite exciting to see, right? So someone has an already existing platform. Um, let me use an example, maybe a beauty marketplace where you can buy beauty products, right? And not before long, you hear them say, oh, I think we should integrate bills payment on this platform since people already have a wallet and they're able to top up their wallet. So whatever it is that they, you know, have remaining in that wallet after making expenses, they might choose to buy airtime, you know, and it's very exciting, right? So now what we now see is platforms are now becoming, whether they are core fintech platforms or not, they are now becoming distribution channels for financial products, right? And at the end of the day, it's a two is a win-win, right? Because they are solving problems for themselves in a way that they are able to generate additional income from by offering these services. And they are also helping to deepen financial footprints, financial inclusion footprints, in a way that people can now easily assess different kinds of financial products, whether it be investment or you know, taking credits. Because I'll give you an example. I'm in maybe five years ago. We never had anything called buy now, pay later, which is a form of credit, right? But now yeah. you have a lot of platforms offering buy now, pay later, right? Yeah. So you, whether you like it or not, right, it's right there in your face. So now you are now included in that entire footprint financially, right? Because you are now able to assess credits. And in a way, it helps with your credit scoring, you know, that if you have good payments um if you're able to pay back and you have good records for payment and all of that it helps build your financial credits help build all of these things right so we're seeing little tiny tiny bits where um fintech is now moving beyond just core fintech platforms to now becoming you know entire um it's now it's now getting integrated in entire platforms whether it be fintech or not and it's really exciting to see right and i see that that is where we are now beginning to move towards, right, where people are now beginning to identify and they can say to themselves that, oh, I don't have to have a core fintech platform before I can include or embed financial products on my platform, right? And that way, you are able to generate more income, you are able to help drive financial inclusivity and all of that, right? It's, it's really, really exciting to see. Great. Yeah, so you also... Uh, manage the community at Blackshop, right? And the first time I heard the name Blackshop, I thought you guys were involved in some kind of maybe clandestine operations. I get that all the time. Might be a top government military oh, project, you know, you guys. <laughs> all right. You know, but I mean, tell us what you do at Blackshop, what Blackshop is, is all about and maybe what do you do? You know, what, what are the things you do in terms of managing that community as well? Okay. Okay. Uh, so I'll, I'll just walk you through that journey, right? Um, how I even joined Black Ops in the first place. And then I'll now narrow it down to what I do, right? So I, I, I met, Shani Suleiman is actually the founder of Black Ops. Um, I met Shani for the first time, I think in 2015, when I just came to Lagos. Um, you know, he had something interesting he was building for startups. 
you know, but he was just someone I knew from a distance, right? Shen Sliman of Andela. Then he used to work with Andela, right? Uh, but we never had so much interaction after then. And then fast forward to 2020, that was last, was that last year? I think earlier last year, 2022, maybe January or February. Yes, yes. January, February, 2022. Um, I met him at an event, right? Someone's birthday party. I was invited to, and I met Shani. And at that time, I had just left Fixie 45. Um, and, you know, post-acquisition, I worked for a while. And then, you know, I decided to take a break, you know, just to rest. Because building can be very intense and hard. And sometimes you just want to take a break from everything, right? So I, I took, I was on break. And then I I met Shani at an event, right? And, you know, I was like, hey, the last time we spoke was maybe 2016 or so. You know, it was, it was really exciting to see him, right? And so I asked him what he's been up to. I think at the time he had left Andela. Yes, obviously he had left Andela. And then he was building Black Ops, right? So, you know, I, I asked what he was up to. He told me about Black Ops, you know, about, you know, what the problem they were trying to solve was, which was, you know, basically building a support system for operators across venture-backed um, startups. Tech startups, obviously, right? Building, um, building a community where operators can converge and you know get resources, learn from each other, and just basically get general support, right? The idea of it was really because prior to that time, actually, I never understood who operators were. And for the sake of your listeners, I'll just maybe summarize: operators are those who are non-tech in tech, right? So you have your sales guys, you have you know people in operations, you have people in development, you have people in human resource, you know. So everyone who is not technical in a tech setting within a tech startup is actually referred to as an operator. So if you're a salesperson, you're an operator. Um, if you're a marketing person, you're an operator, right? So that was the first time I you know, got a glimpse of who an operator was. And it dawned on me that, oh, wow, I've actually pivoted from being a founder to now being an operator, right? And of course, operators need a lot of support systems because a lot of us are working in silos, right? People don't have as much support, you know, like communities. But when you look at developers, you look at founders, they have a lot of communities that help and they can, you know, constantly and actively seek support. They, they, you know, a lot of peer-to-peer -peer and learning interactions happen. But I, I, prior to that time, I, I never heard about anything, you know, similar. So I really got, you know, excited about the idea. And, you know, I, well, that was basically where the conversation ended, right? And I think, a couple months later, that same year, last year, uh, maybe July or so, you know, I, I saw on his LinkedIn that, and don't forget, at that point, I wasn't really doing anything because I was just resting and all, right? So I, I saw on his LinkedIn that he was trying to hire someone to come manage, you know, the community and help with programming and all of that, right? And I, I picked interest instantly, right? And don't forget, I had his number, right? So I, I reached out to him privately. I saw this, right? Um, is it still open? Is it something we can have a conversation around? You know, I don't mind coming on board, right? And that was basically how, you know, I was able to join. We had a couple of conversations. Um, Shani can be very thorough, right? So we had, we had actual <laughs> interview sessions and, you know, and all of that, right? And then I, I came on board the community as the community manager, right? Um, helping drive um, engagement, helping drive 
activities within the community, programming, and just basically ensuring that nobody is left um, behind, right? And everyone can get value from the community, right? So that's basically what Black Ops is about. And that is what I do at Black Ops today. Well, that, that, that's really interesting, right? I, I, I remember, was it earlier this year or something, I was talking with a friend, you know, about like networking sessions kind of, and, you know, he's, he's a growth uh, uh, marketing manager, uh, Damilola, we used to be a co-founder of, of a startup I, I worked on some year back. So shout out to you, Dami. And we're having a similar conversation in terms of like that community, right? You know, for people, you know, working as operators and startups you know for example now if a startup is trying to hire maybe like a a, a growth a, a growth manager for example you know how many of those growth managers do you have in nigeria for example for those that are there you know who are the other maybe growth managers that they know in their network? So I, I really believe, I mean, this platform, it's really amazing in terms of what you're doing and how you're bringing people together. So like how many operators do you have on the platform now? Uh, so we're, we're a little shy of 50 today for the, and that that's very intentional, right? Because we are very, very picky okay. in terms of, yeah, we're very thorough, you know, in terms of who we onboard in the community and you know the kind of value that they bring right so today the black ops community is actually focused on senior operators right across these um venture back startups right so you have to be senior like maybe senior manager upwards and you have to have ample years of experience as an operator right because what we're doing is we're intentionally um putting together resource people that have you know experience years of experience um, as an operator across various verticals right and eventually we're hoping that you know this will act as a resource pool for emerging operators right who want to be mentored or who are seeking you know basically you know trying to learn and you know get mentorships and all of that right so so today we are very thorough in our selection process and you know we just want to be sure that we're able to have um, top operators in the room. And our, our members, um, we have comprised of um, members across both Lagos, both um, Nairobi, Ghana, and a couple of them in, in the UK as well, right? Um, yeah, so that's pretty much um, about Black Ops. Right, great. Yeah, so Gerald, uh, this has really been an exciting conversation, but as we round up, is there any other thing you'd like to share with us? I, I would just like to add that, um, so the entire idea and the entire concept of, you know, we doing what we do, especially at Black Ops today, is we're trying to push the narrative that um, operators should be given their flowers, right? Um, I think you were at our last event that yeah last, last month right i think that was one of the that was the first of that kind of event that was happening oh, and the, the basic idea is you know we're shining the light on operators because people don't really know and appreciate who operators are right so whether you're working in any company your first identity especially if what you're doing is you know operator related your first identity is you're an operator before you now say okay you're working here right so you're an operator who is working in xyz right and we feel like you shouldn't do it alone you should have support system 
So basically, that's that's what we are aiming at, and that's basically what we're trying to drive. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I used to hear this like it's it's hard to build, but it's hard to sell. You know, yes. and when you have to sell, you need the operators, right? You need the talent that's going to bring in the right set of people. You know, that will sell. Great work, Gerald. Really been an amazing conversation. Uh, thank you very much for being on Curious K Podcast. Thanks for having me, Kate. Uh, yeah thank you everyone for listening i hope you enjoyed this uh, episode and see you guys soon bye-bye